The Old Testament reading for this 10th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of the prophet Jeremiah as we read from the 23rd chapter. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. Let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading for the day is found recorded in the letter to the Hebrews as we read from the 11th and 12th chapters. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, 
not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth and wood that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God to which you and I direct our attention this morning is the epistle reading for the day. And especially as we consider those words from chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. My dear friends in Christ, I begin by saying it is good to be with you this morning as I bring greetings from St. John's and Zion Lutheran churches in Accident, Maryland where I served for the past seven years until my retirement in 2020. As you and I gather around God's word and sacrament this morning, yes, I stand in your presence as a stranger in many ways. And yet I am willing to say that not a day goes by that you and I don't experience some sort of pain, whether it be emotional, maybe it was physical, Some of you know the pain of a broken bone, and others of you know the pain as the doctor tells you that you need to go treatment for a life-threatening illness. Some of you know the pain of broken relationships, whether it be within the family or with a friend, 
And yes, so often we ask that question, where? Where did I go wrong or what did I do to deserve this? There are other folks who know the spiritual pain as they try to seek God in all of the places where he has not promised to be found. Pain in our lives does different things to different people. We know of those individuals who turn to drugs or alcohol trying to hide from their problems. Others ignore the source of that pain, burying it deep within their inner being, hoping that it will simply all go away or disappear. There are those folks, too, who turn to the church, not to God, trying to ease their pain. As they see smiling faces of the television churches and that pastor promising all sorts of wonderful things for them and for their lives. So my first question to you all today is, is this really or is this the reality of the Christian life? Is this the way that it really is for the child of God? This morning, the writer to the Hebrews helps you and me to see that where, as the familiar expression goes, that where there is no pain, there is no gain. And that the way to manage the pain and the suffering and the agony in our lives, no matter where it comes from, is to keep our eyes fixed squarely on the abiding love of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, there is no question about it. Pain and suffering is reality in our world. And again, I come at you by asking, what has been the most painful event in your life in the past? Or what is that pain today? Was it the unprecedented or the unexpected death of a loved one or the diagnosis of a life-threatening illness or being passed over for a promotion at work or losing on the sports field? What was it? No matter what the pain may have been in your life, my friends, God's word tells you and me that all of the pain in our life is sin-related. It is the result of you and me living in a fallen world. Indeed, this is a world that has chosen to think that it knows the better way. And that way, my friends, too often is apart from the love of God. In his son, Jesus Christ. I understand that the Bible class has been studying the book of Genesis. And if you remember from chapter three, there was that one act of disobedience. That one act that brought sin into this world and has marred all of God's creation and marred every aspect of your life and mine. As the result of that one sin. We have the manifestation of that sin and in the pain and the suffering that you and I face. Sure, we can deny the reality of the pain in our lives. We can try to ignore it, too. But you know that still does not get to the root of the problem. So my second question becomes this. How then do we deal with the pain and the suffering that really is a part of our lives today? Do we turn to our Heavenly Father for our answers? Or do we join the rest of the crowd by saying, ah, it'll go away by itself? 
Or are we inclined to cover up and to ignore the problems that we face? Do we turn to the church? Yes, to the church in the right sense, thinking that by our involvement that we can get rid of the pain and the problems that we face? Truth is, my friends, we've signed up for even more pain, not less. So let's consider a couple of the great people of faith from the epistle reading for today. Ask yourself, how did they get through the pain, the trouble, the suffering in their lives? I think as you consider those verses, and even the concluding verses at the end of chapter 11 that we did not read here, the answer is not going to surprise you at all. Think about it. We heard about Abraham. He is often called the father of the faithful. And yet, he had his share of pain. Think of God's command that Abraham sacrifice his son, his only son. How many of you are parents or grandparents? And how would you have acted or reacted had God spoken to you, asking you to sacrifice your son, your only son or only child? Yet Holy Scripture tells us today, Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him, that is to say, Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, even in the most difficult of circumstance, Abraham kept his focus squarely on God the Father and his promises to him rather than on the trials, the troubles, the pain that he was feeling in his life. Or what about Moses? Sure, Moses was a highly cultured man, having grown up in the palace of Pharaoh. And yet his compassion for his people led him out of the palace and into the desert of Midian, where he tended sheep for 40 years. Moses willingly suffered because God trust, or he trusted God more than he loved that position and that power of Pharaoh's palace. Moses looked for what was ahead rather than what was behind. And then there are the prophets and the patriarchs. You see, in the verses that follow the readings for today, we are given a list of the God-fearing men and women who suffered, yes, who suffered for the sake of the gospel. I encourage you to read those concluding verses of chapter 11 and think about these questions. Who among you today would volunteer to be stoned to death, as was Stephen? Or who is, would volunteer to be scourged or imprisoned or mocked or to wear skins of goat skins or to live in a cave or to be tortured and to do it all, my friends, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? As the prophets and the patriarchs endured their trials, their strength, their faith was God-given. And yes, they kept their eyes focused on that promise that God had made to them in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And they kept their eyes focused heavenward. All of the men and women that the writer to the Hebrews mentioned, sure, they suffered some more than we could ever imagine. And yet they looked beyond the pain of the present time to the gain that would be theirs, the victory that would be theirs in Jesus. Think of it in terms of the sports analogy, and I understand that football season is just upon us. 
our football players, whether they be our youth or whether it be the professionals. They undergo that rigorous training program of weight training and running and practicing every day before and during the season. And yes, unfortunately, some of them do suffer physical injury. We ask ourselves, why do they do it? Why? I'm willing to say that every one of those men on that football field has but one goal in mind, and that is to win the championship. You know, the same is true in our spiritual lives. Apart from the persecution and life in this world, my friends, there is no gain. As Christians, it's not a matter of if we are going to suffer for our proclamation of the gospel, but rather it's a question of how and when will you and I be called upon to suffer for the sake of a faithful proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way for you and me to make it through the pain and the suffering of this world and this life is to face it all in the light of the cross. Every person that is listed there in the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 has two things in common with us. They too were sinners, just like you and me. And they also were people of faith, just like you and me. And yet you and I have something that they did not have. And that is the fulfillment of all of God's promises in Jesus Christ. Yes, the prophets and the patriarchs, they looked back or they looked forward to the fulfillment of God's promise to send the Messiah. For them, it was all a future event. But for you and me, we have the privilege of looking back to see the fulfillment of all of God's promises in the face of Christ, the crucified Savior. And think, too, as we look at the cross, Yes, we see the crucifix affixed on the east wall of the church. And in that tortured image, you and I see our pain. And by that, I'm saying to you that in that tortured image of the crucifix, we see our sin being dealt with once and for all time as we see the suffering Christ enduring the death of the cross. And making payment for our every sin, whether they be past, present, or those of the future. We look to the cross of Christ and we remember what Isaiah has to say to us in the 53rd chapter. Our pains are not worth comparing to the pain that Jesus bore on our behalf. So my friends, as you and I continue to run our race of life. As you and I continue to live our lives each day as children of the Heavenly Father. As you and I continue to conform our lives to God's holy will. Again, I say to you, yes, there is going to be some pain, some suffering, some ridicule. And that coming to us at the hands of a fallen world. So again, how can we endure and do it in a God-pleasing way? Consider the words once more of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Truly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working mightily in your hearts and in your lives through the Holy Word and the Blessed Sacraments, you and I have been enabled to keep our eyes focused squarely on the cross, squarely on the one who has suffered and died there to redeem us from all sin, and who, even today, is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly glory. And yes, seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heavenly glory, there is the ultimate goal, the ultimate finish line. My friends, as we keep our focus on Christ, again, our pain is not necessarily going to go away, but it becomes bearable for us. Because we see and we believe what Jesus has done for us. He has purchased our forgiveness. He has made that purchase with his own lifeblood and prepared for us, our heavenly home, our finish line. My prayer for each of you is simply that God, the Holy Spirit, would continue to work mightily in each of your hearts and lives That faith, that faith which focuses only on Christ Jesus and his redeeming work, whereby you have perfect forgiveness of all of your sins and the promise, the abiding promise of eternal life with him in his heavenly home. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our human understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.